Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 5, Episode 5 of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, the man for whom the show is named, Bobby Blaze. What's happening, Bobby? Hey, Professor, man, it sure is good to be back. Uh, hey, fans, thanks for downloading last week. We appreciate all the great downloads. I apologize for not being on the show. I've had an eye um, infection, eye injury. It's it's clearing up very good. I couldn't read the notes last week. This week, I can at least read the notes and also uh, am not in a, a bunch of bunch of pain in my left eye. Uh, it's nothing serious. It's It's healing. Up. In fact, uh, from Tuesday until Thursday it healed. I go back again. It's coming Thursday. So uh, thanks for all the people that uh, downloaded last week's episode. I thought Jeremy done a great job uh, in remembering our good friend Tex um, and also the late uh, great Bullet Bob Armstrong. So thank you for taking care of that, Professor. Oh, yeah, thank you. I am hoping that came off well. I got some positive feedback. but It did, man. I heard several people gave me positive feedback of what a tremendous job you've done. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad people liked it. Um, I felt, I felt funny doing it. I did kick around the idea of faking your voice and pretending like you were here, but <laughs> do you, you hillbilly know, voice or exactly, Southern accent yeah. or, <laughs> well, you know, for those of us in California, we don't really distinguish between hillbillies and Southerners. So it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Even, even Southern Canadians, I call hillbillies. So, you know, <laughs> All righty. I've been up in the East Coast, and there's been people from Pennsylvania over in one of the major cities, and they'll say, yeah, we've got hillbillies here. You know, <laughs> like, okay, whatever. There's, there's there's hillbillies everywhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's nothing to be ashamed of. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Just don't be a damn redneck. <laughs> well, I was going to say that the only reason my family wasn't hillbillies is because there weren't hills in uh, Oklahoma before they came Oklahoma, to California. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Just crossed a few hills on the way to California. That's yeah. All. Shit, I mean, Oklahoma is so flat you can watch your dog run away for a week. <laughs> All right, Bobby, so we got something special today, but before we do that, let's go ahead and get our contractual obligations taken care of. All right, yeah, we are excited. We do have something special today, man. Yeah, um, so before we kick over to that, what we're going to do real quick is talk about the um, United Wrestling Network and National Wrestling Alliance joint weekly pay-per-views that are coming up on Fight and other places. You can get the one episodes 1 to 4 bundle for I believe it's 24.99 or 23.99 through Fight. Yeah, 23.99 I think. Yeah, that'll get you the first 4 episodes. Uh scheduled to appear on the first episode is Nick Aldis, uh Dan Joseph who's the United Wrestling Network TV champion. Uh Thunder Rosa is going to be on there. Eli Drake. They've announced a bunch of more matches, like uh, Hammerstone is defending his uh, Pacific Coast Championship. So it's a it's going to be a pretty wild show. I think people should check it out. And you can yeah, do that. I think so yeah. too. I do. Uh, it's worth seeing Thunder Rosa for me, man. She's been turning up again lately. She's been staying coming up in AE, and it's got a, a a mission pro she's doing, and she's going to be on this show here. Um, yeah, Jeremy, I want to try to cut you off. No, twenty three ninety nine, and there's a shortcut you set up a way to um to to get this product, and that is through tinyurl.com bbn. WA Live, BBNWA Live. You get the first four shows at $23.95. Um, and I think it's worth it, man, especially for people who just really enjoy professional wrestling, you know. Um, and that's on Fight TV, folks. And, yeah. and also, we get a small kickback from the, you know, it's one of our sponsors. We get a small little kickback to the program that we'll eventually put back in advertising or um, who knows. Uh, Maybe spin on a big old soda pop and get two straws. There you go. <laughs> so. Yeah. But anyhow, yeah, so you check it out. I know they've announced more matches since I originally wrote this note here. Um, I can't wait to have the NWA back, though. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, I see Aaron Stevens is going to be there. What do you know? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I don't understand where the national title fits in now that they've got the TV yeah. title, though. But Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. One quick thing. I got a few shout outs last week. Do you see my man, Mad Flavor, Joey Diaz, hit me up? Love you, Bobby. 
You know, Joey's one of my favorite comedians. He's living in California the last 20 years. He moved back to uh, New Jersey here in the last week or so, and I just sent him some best wishes. And uh, it popped a few of my fans that uh, that are fans of his that know that I'm a fan. And it's like, oh, man, my world's collided, man. Uh, Joey Diaz and Bobby Blaze in the same timeline. But it's just because I'm a fan of his, you know. And yeah. um, I think he's just being courteous to people that's wishing him well. But uh, I do wish him well because I love that program. And a lot of people are leaving California, Jeremy. It's pouring the rain here. I know in Louisiana they're getting some uh, hurricane uh, coming through, and you're out there. Tell us what you're dealing with because oh. I went to bed last night. I looked yeah. at the news, and then when I called you this morning, uh, you told me it wasn't a beautiful sunny day. No, <laughs> What's it's going on. So it's actually a little bit lighter today than it has been. The sky has been orange for a week or two now predominantly um today it's like a hazy yellow so if, if i just give you the rash of symptoms we got there's so much smoke in the air that blue light cannot get through and only red light can so that changes the, the color of the sky and the sun and everything it has dropped the temperature 10 to 15 degrees here uh there's wow. just so much shit in the air now you got to remember too i'm not in the fires i'm in the valley that's kind of in between all of them um there is so much ash in the air. I, I'm not even washing my car anymore. You go out to your car in the morning, open the door, and the ash just kicks up and flies into your car. Man, yeah, I heard about the ash last night on the news before I went to bed. I was like, geez, that's got to be bad out there. Yeah, no, it's it's nasty. Um, you know, I feel bad for all the people. You know, and it's not just us. It's it's Oregon is a mess right now. Washington is getting bad. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day whose mother-in-law lives in British Columbia, and they said that the the air is full of smoke there like you wouldn't believe. But I would because last time I was in British Columbia, there were fires up there, so it was full of smoke anyways. But, yeah, here on the, here on the West Coast, uh, you know, it's just like all year long we burn now. But, you know, global climate change is a hoax. Don't worry about it. We'll just go back to... <laughs> Go back to our thunderstorms and dry heat that cause another 1,625 fires as we go. Yeah, man. Yeah. I hear your sarcasm. Oh, did, did that come <laughs> it's through? Killing me. Oh, it's okay. killing me. Oh, <laughs> All right. All right, man. Let's cheer things up for a minute here. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a special guest today, and I'm looking forward to that, man. Um, I'm sure you are, too. And I know all of our fans out there and on the Bobby Bell to Bell Bobby Blaze podcast are going to be really popping and hopping and, and tuning in for this download, man. They they don't want to miss it, believe me. Yeah, I kind of feel like I, I kind of strong-armed you into this one by accident a little bit. Um, no, I had been talking to this person um, on and off, and I kind of had a sense that um, – this may happen for us. Okay. And yeah, and we put it out there. You know, it's it's cool, man. Um, people know too. You know that Bell to Bell uh, on Twitter at Bell to Bell Blaze. I don't interact with that a whole lot. If I do, I'll probably you'll see my name where it be. But Jeremy does put a lot of things out there, and I appreciate that. He knows how to do two accounts. I just I can barely run my own. But uh, and of course I'm at Bobby Blaze seven forty four, and Jeremy's at uh, the Geekish Cast on Twitter. Um, and there's a Facebook page, the uh, Bell to Bell Bobby Blaze, uh, Bell to Bell Blaze on there as well. But uh, yeah, I, I saw that. But I had already been speaking to this gentleman, yeah. and uh, uh, rightfully so, with great pride. Uh, and man, it's just uh, just been a pleasure. And um, when that came up, I thought, well, this won't be too hard to at least ask. You know, that's yeah. all you can do. And you and I had even discussed one day after the program, before you sent that tweet out, um, you know, what's the possibility? And I said, well, you can just say no, um, you know, yeah. and um, we'll go from there. But um, going back with the week of the eye, I couldn't see. <laughs> I'm not calling or talking to anyone unless, you know, emergency, of course. And and um, but I had uh, in the afternoon, it was clearing up enough. So when I saw those texts, I was like, OK, yeah, let me go ahead and make an effort here uh, because uh, we had we had spoken Two or three, two or three weeks prior to that, we had been speaking very, very regular. So uh, that's that's how it came about. Yeah. Well, see, and I didn't realize when I sent out that tweet, I wasn't even paying attention. I sent it from bell to bell, and I thought I was sending it from mine. Yeah. So it was later. It was like two days later when I was like, "Oh fuck, that's what happened." <laughs> no, it's all good, man. It's all good. I told you we've got a special episode with a very special guest. We're going to bring him in now. He's six foot nine, 260 pounds. 
He's had he's a business entrepreneur, very successful. He's created and operated four different wrestling professional wrestling companies, uh, two minor league hockey uh, professional uh, franchises and teams. Had one of the largest AD ATD dealerships in the United in the world, actually in North America. I'm sorry, and now he is an author. And I want to introduce to you, he is the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. Welcome Hello. to the show, Ron. Oh, thank you very much, Bobby. It's my pleasure, man, to be on. Uh, I've been seeing your stuff for a long time, and uh, and I got a lot of friends of, that said to tell you hello today, uh, Jimmy Golden and my brother oh, Rob. Great uh, guys, man. I love them. I, I was going to tell you I met and knew them guys. Thank you. I made my day. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Uh, they both said, hey, Ron, you're on his show. Be sure and tell him hello. So uh, we'll start off with that before I forget it because they'll be Thank both you. going to whip my ass. <laughs> yeah yeah great guys and you know that you grew up with them and stuff but man uh, there's always so good to me and i appreciate that kindness i really do so thank you man that made my day right there <laughs> oh good good uh so we're going to talk a little bit of wrestling i'm going to talk a little bit of basketball very little bit of basketball. i know the professor over there he's probably got some questions for you and we're also going to talk to you about your new book man uh it's kind of coincidental there's a lion on the loose in knoxville but you've got a book about a killer lion on the loose in in uh the great smoky mountain uh i started to say great smoky mountain mountains called brutus man and this is a five-star read and we're going to talk a little bit about that because i want you to tell us about your line if you don't care at some point in this podcast oh so, man i'd love to i'd love to all right jeremy you got anything to ask first i'm gonna ask basketball off the top real quick if you don't um mind. you know what i i want to cover this because i my head always starts swimming when i try to get these lines straight uh ron give us a real quick breakdown of how your family all fits together the fuller welch golden field Hatfields and McCoys or whoever I'm leaving out, if you wouldn't mind just kind of running us down where everybody fits in at. Uh, Jace, man, uh, there's a whole lot of names involved there, but uh, I come from the oldest and the largest wrestling family on the planet. Uh, there's more than, uh, I think there's about 24. And I may be missing somebody, but uh, the people in my family who have wrestled, referee, promoted, uh, owned companies, built wrestling companies, my grandfather started it all in 1920, uh, was trained by the original Dutch Mantel. My grandfather's name was Roy Welch. My dad started, he changed his name to Buddy Fuller because there were already four Welches in the business at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some cousins that were named Hatfields, and uh, when they started wrestling, they changed their name to Fields. There were three brothers, Lee, Bobby, and Don Fields. Uh, there's a Jimmy Golden's family and his father. Uh, gosh, we just uh, we we're spread out everywhere, and we uh, we are uh, the premier. And um, geez, we've had tremendous success in the business. My grandfather was the first one to ever become a promoter. So I'm not just a third generation wrestler. I'm a third generation promoter as well, and yeah. owner of companies and builders of companies. My dad built several wrestling companies. My grandfather built the biggest ever in the South. He was in 12 states at one time. Oh, wow. Uh, wow the Tennessee yeah. territory was massive. Uh, everything from the Gulf Coast to Ohio was Roy Welch. Uh, it was big, big Man. territory. So uh, so uh, I'm big time in it. Uh, my family's big time in it. Uh, and I just, uh, it's, it's, I love it. I love it. I have done, yeah. I've had some success in other companies and other businesses, but my heart is in the sport of wrestling. Yeah, I don't I don't know how it couldn't be. And that right there, people, is why I say the Fuller Welch clan is American Pro Wrestling. That there kind you of, go. That kind of wraps it up. Uh, Ron, was there ever a time, um, I'll, I'll kick this over to you in just a second, Bobby. Was there ever a time yeah, you, didn't, you didn't think you were going to go into pro wrestling, or was that something you were sold on from a young age? Well, yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to be a wrestler, you know, uh, all my life, basically. Uh, my dad's a wrestler, and, that, and you watch those matches, and and it gets in your blood pretty quick. Uh, you really want to do it. Oddly enough, though, uh, I did start in 1970. I went down to Florida uh, after I started in Georgia, and I had some pretty good success in Florida. And at one time, I had an opportunity to get in the uh, real estate business in Florida, and I really – 
really considered getting out of wrestling in about 1972, uh, which was, I would have had a two-year career, uh, mm-hmm. practically nothing in wrestling. And thank goodness I, I changed my mind and I stayed in it and uh, because kind of Bill Watts came down there and took over the book and he really liked me and he wanted to use me. And I kind of got back involved in wrestling. But, uh, you know, it's really what I wanted to do all my life. Never really considered doing anything, really seriously considering doing anything else. Yeah. Now, you had a – that was um, using Florida from like 70 to 74, right, before you came up to Knoxville and took that territory. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, so you was just about after two years of thinking about it, but but you knew you knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, my question is going to be about basketball, you know. Okay. Um, you played uh, Clemson for a season, I guess, but then you also you finished up the University of Miami. But you got to play against uh, Artis Gilmore and Dave Cowns, and also um, uh, New, uh, UCLA was during their 10-year run during that time. They was having their success. You got to play against one of those uh, UCLA, UCLA teams. Um, the conversion, I think, athletically, how hard it was for you at six foot nine? Come on, follow us up a couple of wrestling questions. How hard it from you at six foot nine, athletic as you were as a basketball player, for you to to get into the wrestling? I know you've learned the wrestling, the shooting, and the wrestling, and working. But how how easy or how hard was that being six foot nine and two sixty? Well, you know, because you was athletic really- in the ring. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, and and I I wrestled all my life. My dad started me out shooting when I was about uh, six, seven years old. I got into about the third grade in school, and people find out my dad was a wrestler, and I got a lot of problems from older boys that said, oh, you know, they would pick on me and say, oh, you know, your daddy's a wrestler. I bet you're tough. And, uh, and I dealt with a lot of stuff as a youngster about that age. And I finally asked my dad, I said, hey, you got to show me something, dad. You know, <laughs> I got all this stuff yeah. going on, you know, and I, I need to I need to know how to get rid of this stuff. So he said, OK. And he just showed me a couple of simple things. Bobby, one of those deals was he said, you know, kids want to grab you in the headlock. He said, let them have that head. Stick it out there. Give it to them. As soon as they headlock, he said, crotch them between the legs, pick them up and drop them on the back of their head. There you go. <laughs> and uh boy that worked you know and then uh after a while he that wasn't enough you know i had a, a couple of guys found out what i was doing and they were kind of blocking it so i said dad you got to show me another one and he gave me and you want to stick the head out board and give them that front face lock once they get that front <laughs> face lock wrap that arm around the back of their head crotch that leg and drop them on their head a different way <laughs> there you go <laughs> So, you know, I mean, uh, I I just I started learning to wrestle, learning to shoot early on. Then when I went to Florida in 1970, they had the old snake pit down there. The Florida office had a ring set up. That's where they did their TVs. And they had the boy. That was a that was a horrible place. If you were a mark and you decided you wanted to come in and see if you could be a wrestler, it wasn't a good place to show up and. And I spent probably a year and a half in the snake pit with Bob Roop and Hiro Matsuda and uh, Jack Briscoe, uh, guys that were really, really yeah. tough and uh, really learning the, the finer, finer parts of uh, being a shooter. Right, right. Let me ask you real quickly, Was uh, um, you were talking the other day on one of your stud casts, uh, I heard the, the from the introduction, 1920, you know, when your grandfather started wrestling and shooting and went undefeated for two years and stuff. Um, you dropped the name. I think you was uh, going to you was talking about Hackersmith, and I think you was going to say Frank Gotch, but you said Carl Gotch. So I was just concerned. Uh, was, was, was Carl down there at the Snake Pit when you were down there by chance in Florida? Carl Gotch lived in Tampa. Yeah, yeah, I knew that's why I asked. I used to live in Tampa, too, and that's why I was asking. I was just curious. Yeah, was Carl he back at that there. time with you? Yes, yeah, so you, you had there. all these guys, the Briscoes, oh, Bob Roof, so Bob Roof, uh, who else do you have? Oh, gosh, a lot of the guys showed up there. Had Billy, to be Billy, Robinson, Billy Robinson showed oh, up. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, Herb Calvert, uh, I mean, a lot of shooters out of England came in. Uh, that's where we learned the snake pit. And I, and I, okay. I, always, I always forget the guy's name that, that showed us the moving, the uh, sugar hole, man. He showed us the greatest finish. Wow. I mean, uh, greatest shooting hole ever, probably. And uh, and I remember the day I first saw that, and then my Uncle Lester was in there that day. 
Uh, and there was a mark, you know, and they would, would about twice a week you would have these marks come in. Eddie liked to make it personal knowledge that if you think you're tough and you think your wrestling's all fake and phony and, you know, show up down here at the at our building and we'll and we'll give you a shot at it. And uh, so, oh, man, I seen guys just get decimated in there, destroyed. Jeez. And uh, and uh, in this particular day, we had the guy a shooter from England and. There was a mark in there, so Eddie says, "Okay, you take him, uh, you know," and uh, and he put the sugar hold on him. And my uncle Lester, who was another wrestler in the family, my grandfather's brother, he's standing next to me, and uh, we're right there, standing two feet away from the guy who's got the sugar hold on, right there. And the the guy's yeah, he's he's tagging and he's you can tell he's he's dying, he's hurting. And uh, Lester says very calmly to the wrestler that's put it on him, he says, uh, well, how bad can you hurt him with that? And he goes, uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, well, I'll tell you, he says, in another 30 seconds, he'll be bleeding out of his ears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, very calm. Was no big deal. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, about 30 Man. seconds before this, he'll be bleeding out of his ears probably. And uh, oh, <laughs> It was a bad place for anybody to show up. Yeah. You didn't think wrestling was real. You didn't leave there thinking it wasn't real. I could tell you that. I heard that. Well, I have nothing but respect for that. Let me just say it. I'm going to shift gears real quickly before I throw it back to the professor over there. My next question about the wrestling was I went back and, and, and pulled up some video of you, and that's where I was leading with the – I knew you I knew you had learned to uh, shoot from a young age from your dad from listening to the studcast, and I appreciate you sharing those stories with you because with us, I didn't know it was that intense. But, geez, uh, my next thing would be working, man. You're 6'9", 260, 275 pounds, and I saw um, – a perfectly executed arm drag. I saw you doing some arm drags before you was a Tennessee stud as a baby face on some footage, and I was impressed. I used to, I used to love arm drags, uh, and 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 I also saw you not once but twice do a flying head scissor, a flying head mare. You went all the way from corner to corner and and took someone over. I think in fact it might have even been Buddy Buddy Landell and Continental on one of the tapes. But uh, I was just like impressed that you know you're that big and that tall. And you're doing those kind of moves, man. It's just, and it was wrestling, you know, it was just wrestling. He was out there working and, uh, just show it was showing what an athlete you were, you know, um, I was just impressed with that, um, well, with that you know, type of style you was doing for your size, yeah, you know? Yeah. What I did, Bobby went, I started getting tall at about 16 years old and, and much taller than anybody in my family. And my dad told me, he says, uh, son, you're, you're going to be a lot taller than everybody else. He says, uh, you need to try to develop yourself and your skills in wrestling so that you can wrestle and make moves and do everything anybody else can. Don't limit yourself because you're big and tall. And uh, I took that to heart and I learned how to do everything anybody else could do. And uh, sometimes I could do it a lot better than a smaller guy because when you're big and tall, everything you do is just it looks more outstanding because of that additional height. And yeah, yeah I used to fly in head scissor guys, uh, uh, all kinds of guys. In fact, uh, in St. Louis uh, in 1973, I worked with uh, Gene Koninsky, former NWA world champion. And uh, and I fly and married him coming off the ropes twice. I mean, uh, wow. flying head scissored him. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I learned to do all kinds of things. My, there was a, you know, I was always impressed with, uh, with, uh, some of the tall wrestlers that, and there weren't a lot of guys that wrestled like I did. They didn't move like I did. Uh, right. but I wanted to, I wanted Don Leo. Jonathan was always a great big man. And I love to watch films of Don Leo. Jonathan, because he could do everything anybody else could do. And I felt like that for me to be uh, that the best I could be, I had to be able to do what everybody else could do. So I, I worked on it constantly and consistently and kept trying to add moves to my repertoire. Spent three months in Australia and learned so many new moves from watching junior heavyweights in Australia that were doing these crazy moves. And uh, I got a couple of those that, that uh, nobody else could do uh, those yeah. ideas. I saw them. So it, it, I really wanted to not to be uh, confined to being called a big man and too slow and moving around methodically. Uh, I wanted to be fast. 
Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with that question. Thanks for answering so in depth like that because you just didn't work like some some a big man. You work like you could work and wrestle and stuff. The other thing, and I'm gonna turn over, to Professor. Uh, I've got to go to some places and and work with some places that you've been at, and uh, I, many years later, of course. And that's why I'm just so I'm, I just love the Studcast. Tell us where we can find you on a Studcast real quick, and then Jeremy, uh, you you blend in there and ask some questions, whatever. Before we go into uh, uh, Ron's latest venture of uh, being an author with his book, uh, Brutus. Okay. Sure thing. So, uh, tell us about that stud cast there, Ron. Okay. Well, uh, I love it. I love well, it. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, I mean, I, I do a, I do a stud cast, uh, and that's the name of it. Stud cast. Uh, you can find it at TN stud. I've got a website and I sell everything there, including the book we're about to talk about, but it's TN stud.com. And you go there, and you can find every stud cast. And now um, I'm doing a hundred number 165 right now in the process. And I also do a super stud cast, which uh, is a three-hour Patreon show Oof. that uh, I take these deep dives into wrestler different wrestlers' career. And I'm doing one of those that's going to come out Tuesday, the 15th. And it's going to be, uh, Bobby, uh, almost five hours. Uh, it's a tribute Whoa. to Bob Armstrong, almost five hours. And in this Super Stud cast, I've got Terry Funk. I've got uh, Jim Cornette. I've got Jerry Briscoe. I've got Stan Hansen. I've got wow. uh, Dutch Mantel. Yeah. I've got Kevin Sullivan. I've got uh, uh, Jody, uh, the assassin Hamilton. And uh, Charlie Platt, who was a commentator and one of yeah. Armstrong's best friends in the South. Uh, so, I mean, uh, so I do I do all, two different types of stuff. I do one called the Studcast. It's a weekly product, and it started with my grandfather, and I tell a weekly story. All the way I've told my grandfather's story, my father's story. I'm into my story now. I'm in the year 1976, and, uh, and I'm working my way to – Maybe going into the hockey business, which I'm going to get into after wrestling. <laughs> so, so okay. it's, um, well, that's it's a lot super studcast. That's at patreon.com slash studcast, right? That's, and that's correct. only two ninety nine for the this time it's gonna be almost five hours, you said. So again, folks, that's patreon.com slash studcast. And for two ninety nine, you can give this great uh tribute that's got all these great stars that Ron just mentioned, uh, and tribute to Bob Armstrong it's coming out this Tuesday, the same day that our podcast is coming out. So that's great, Ron. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Jeremy, if you have anything else to finish up wrestling, go ahead and then we'll get into this uh, great book by Ron. Oh, I I've got a wrestling question and a pod a couple podcasting questions to cover real quick because because obviously okay. podcasting is an interest of mine. <clears throat> but when you were uh, trying to unmask uh, the bullet, how did you feel when Gordon Soley went to black? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy, wasn't it? That, that was a great angle. That and, was. Uh, uh, Bob Armstrong and I just had so many tremendous matches and went back and forth. We made a career, basically, uh, half of a career at least, out of just wrestling each other. Started wrestling him uh, in 1978 when I was a heel. He was a baby face. He turned heel in 1982 against me. I came back as a, as a, and then he came back as a baby face and a partner of mine and then turned, I turned on him and uh, my brother and my cousin uh, joined my side, and Bob had four sons. It just would turn into a feud <laughs> that went for years. And uh, that was a situation in where Bob had been lost. I had beat him in a loser leave town match, and he came back as a mask wrestler called the Bullet. And uh, we, uh, the deal was if we got his mask off, that he was going to be banished from Continental. At this point, it was Continental Championship Wrestling. It was the third wrestling company that I had built. Uh, Gordon Soley was the commentator. Uh, we had set him up big time, man, and uh, we ended up with him. He was in a cage, and we got his mask uh, about off of him, and his boys came down. They couldn't get in the cage. We pounded their hands when they got climbing over the top and knocked them off and, and eventually pulled the his mask off. And, uh, oh, boy, what a celebration we had. We were heels, me and my brother and Jimmy. And Bob in there by himself and the three of us against him. And uh, and Bob bleeding like crazy, and we got his mask off finally. 
And when we did, boy, we were just uh, so exuberant and jumping all over the ring and holding his mask up in the air. And Gordon there at the set says, uh, oh, we got some kind of problem here. We're going to cut away. we got to go to black. Go to black. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and we didn't really know because we're in the ring, you know, and you can't hear what's going on. He's way up on the stage. We were doing this show live in Birmingham's Boutwell Auditorium. There were 7,000 people in that, oh, in that building. And uh, you couldn't hear yourself think, so we couldn't hear what was going on with him up on the stage. So we had an interview afterward, and we ran up on the stage and had his mask. And we were like, hot dog, it's all over. The bullet's gone. He's gone. That's Bob Armstrong. And uh, and uh, Gordon says, oh, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, like I, I, we had a technical difficulty here. <laughs> And all then, boy, we really exploded. Oh, gee, Gordon, you did it on purpose, and oh, yeah. So uh, that was a pretty good little angle, man. We we had some we had some great stuff going on in Continental days. Uh, had some of the best wrestling talent in the world with uh, Southeastern, even in Knoxville in the seventies. And once we went to Pensacola with Southeastern in '78 and expanded the company, basically great talent there and uh, just um, tremendous successful successful wrestling companies all four of them the ones that I built were all extremely successful I was really lucky had great people working with me yeah That's awesome and see you know me being from the west this is all stuff I'm learning about now so for me a lot of this stuff is new and I'm enjoying the hell out of it I have to say so um, yeah Hopefully you can get some of those things. Uh, you know, uh, you can find. We got a five. We got to pay. Uh, we got a five DVD special from from uh, Continental Southeastern and Continental in the in the eighties with the Armstrongs, with Brad and Bob and and the Fullers, and uh, that's available on the website that we just talked about, the oh. TN Stud website for fans uh, like you uh, that haven't had the opportunity to, to see these matches. Uh, it's a tremendous 112 hours and Holy five smokes. days of Continental and Southeastern. Uh, some of the biggest stars in the country. Uh, we had a tendency to develop great talent. Hulk Hogan came from us. Uh, the Honky Tonk Man came from us. Arn Anderson came from us. Uh, uh, a lot of the big, big stars. Uh, the David Schultz came from our company. Uh, a lot of the great stars that went on to make huge names for themselves uh, came out of Southeastern or Continental Wrestling. That's, yeah, that's awesome. That is. So I got to I gotta ask you, as far as getting into podcasting goes, before you started one, were you a consumer of podcasts, or was this like a whole new thing when you started? I've never listened to a podcast, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and I had somebody say, you know, Ron, you got all this knowledge, and you know, you 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 ought to try to do a podcast. And I had to ask him, what is a podcast? And you know, they explained how it worked, and and then it didn't take me long once I got to asking around about uh, how to do it uh, before I found somebody that had the equipment and knew how to do it, and they were very eager, obviously, because uh, you know. I probably have as much or more knowledge than anybody in the country about how to build a wrestling company, how to be a promoter, how to be a wrestler, how to how to sell tickets, how to do it all. And uh, so, yeah. you know, that's basically what I do on my studcast is I don't just talk from a wrestler's perspective. I can talk from an owner's perspective, from a promoter's perspective. I mean, I, I see the business and have done it from all sides. So I had this opportunity to to start it and uh and it just it really took off from the very beginning because I went back to my granddad's day mm-hmm. uh, and started talking about what happened in the early uh early to 1900s man uh yeah. you know when he started training and I got into Dutch Mantel the original Dutch Mantel and how he taught my granddad to shoot. I got stories of uh, them going to Houston, Texas, and and uh, the original Dutch knocking the guy's eye out. And I uh, just, I mean, you know, and it, those stories, those stories just caught on right away. People were like, "Wow, this is unreal, man! Nobody goes back that far." And uh, and then I just uh, carried it week by week, uh, just 
went through my grandfather's life, my dad's life, and now I'm in my life. And, you know, we'll be in uh, Southeastern in, uh, in, in Bob Armstrong's day. We're just now getting into that era. And uh, so uh, it's it's something that I really enjoy. I really like it. Uh, and and uh, pretty darn good at it, I guess. I'm a fair storyteller. People say I'm a pretty good. Oh, you're story. excellent, excellent. I tell you, I, I tell you, I like uh, the you do the learning tree. There's always a lesson with uh, each podcast. You t- tell great stories. I've listened to when you first brought Andre into Knoxville uh, from your first Coliseum shows there um, to how you would during the payoffs on some of these shows. It, as a as a wrestler, as a thing I gathered, you know, I got to listen to you as a promoter and as a booker. Uh, talking about the first time, you know, you, you had to book the show and, and who guys you were keeping and, and, and when you saw talent in certain guys and some guys just this may not work out, you know. But, um, man, I just – I tell you, if, if, you're, if you're a Bobby Blaze or Bell to Bell wrestling fan, you're not listening to the Ron Fuller, the stud cast, I'd be surprised, Ron, that none of our listeners – I'd guarantee it just about all of our listeners listen to the stud cast. Um, let's shift gears here, though, if you don't care. You've oh. got a new title at the end of your name. You're, you've been an entrepreneur your whole life, a professional wrestler, a booker, promoter, uh, involved in hockey. Um, you're an author. How's that make you feel? Someone saying you're an author. You have a novel out by Ron Fuller Welch, Brutus, that takes place in a Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Tell us a little bit about it and how it makes you feel to have that after your name. Oh, I tell author. You, it's a, it's a, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you don't you don't ever expect. I think that you're going to be an author, and uh, and I certainly didn't expect to. If I was going to be an author, I felt I probably would have thought I was going to write a book about my wrestling career. Right. But uh, I had a dream in 1998. I lived. Uh, in uh, Teleco Village, just outside Knoxville, on the edge of the Smoky Mountains National Park, I had a dream about a lion uh, getting loose in the Smoky Mountains National Park. And I got up the next morning and said, I'm going to write a book. And I spent two years in my basement writing this book. And uh, then I put it in it. I didn't get published right away. Uh, so I kind of lost interest in it, uh, and I had an opportunity to get in the ADT business and the security business, and I got, I made that move, and I put this book in a drawer for 20 years. And then uh, about uh, 18 months ago, I pulled it out of the drawer, and I said, I'm going to finish this story, and I'm going to get it published this time, and and I was able to do it. And it's just taken off, Bobby. I mean, God, I, I I didn't think you never know when you write a book whether you you're you can write or not. You know, I mean, it's kind of like trying to run a wrestling company when you don't advertise and uh, nobody knows about you. Uh, is it good or not? Whether your product is good or not. But I have found uh, since about six weeks this has been out that that people love it. I mean, uh, my reviews oh. are just amazing. There, I haven't gotten any review that is less than five stars, the top rating. Uh, nobody has said anything bad about it except, you know, they've all said, oh, this is an unbelievable book. It's just great. And uh, and so, you know, maybe I am an author, you know. <laughs> uh, you've got great character development. I, that's how do you describe characters. That's something for me. Even if I know that this is your novel and you're describing these characters, if I know a professional wrestler, I'm, I'm writing about a wrestling. I, I sometimes have a hard time doing an adequate uh, description of that professional wrestler that I may be trying to portray in, in my writing. And I'm like looking at your, I'm like, I can see some of these people that lived in that Smoky Mountain area, you know, uh, Jeb, for example, or the, the news, the news lady, you know, uh, you can just see these people, the way you develop them, uh, Stadman and things like that. It's just, uh, and just a few of the characters there. And then, um, and then, of course, the beauty of the Great Smoky Mountains. Uh, you, and then, of course, you talk about Brutus. I won't go into all the details, but when he first gets here, you know, he, he's a huge, huge uh, lion. But when he first gets here, he's a little bit malnutritioned, underfed, whatever. But we'll, you, I'll let you tell that part of it. But the way you describe things, I tell you, I, I wrote your review. I gave you five stars, man, because I said this. I'll tell you what, the the, the – 
the words, they leap off the pages at you, and you got to turn the page. You just keep turning the page, man. It's a real page turner, and um, I highly recommend it. And I saw um, several, uh, I think there was 12 or 13 five-star reviews, and that's awesome as an author because when people see those reviews, that helps them decide. And I know as an author, that helps them decide, do I want to purchase this book or not? And, and, and sometimes that review is just that one thing they read. Someone puts, you know, page turner or, you know, uh, uh, equivalent to jaw. Which I'll let you explain that in just a second. And you see that you're like, yeah, I'm buying that book right now. So anyway, go ahead, Ron. Congratulations on your book and also on having all the five star reviews. Well, I appreciate that, Bobby, very much. Uh, yeah, the yeah the, the the lion. I mean, obviously, is the he's the, he's the main the main character. He's an animal, but he's a character in this book. And and uh, you know, he is a massive lion. You imagine a, a lion is captured in Africa, and he's he's a man-eating lion. He's not just a big monster lion, which he happens to be the largest lion ever in captivity once once they capture him. But uh, he's also a man-eater. And when they send him from Africa to Knoxville Zoo, uh, nobody knows except the guy that got him. The the, the uh, yep. head caretaker who had lost his leg to this lion in Africa when they were trying to catch him the first time and they couldn't catch him. Uh, he finds out that uh, this lion has been caught and he calls his buddy who, who helped catch him and he says, I want that lion. Send him to my zoo. And, uh, and then he wants to take revenge on this monster lion. And, uh, you know, the lion's kind of a <laughs> he's a sympathetic character in a way in times in this book because he's he 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 does because he's a man eating lion. And a lot of people don't know this, but I did a lot of research before I wrote this book. I spent time in the Knoxville Zoo with the curator of the carnivores and uh, I asked him, you know, one of my first questions was, uh, well, what what does how does why does a lion eat a human? And he says, once they get a taste for the human, they like that that because their flesh is soft and that a lion does not, after they eat, a person to, to prefer any other meat but humans. Wow. And uh, so, so you know, this so so this lion is going to get loose in the Smoky Mountains National Park when he's being moved, which could actually happen. Uh, in fact, <laughs> strangely enough, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's the crazy part about this. When I was writing the book, I thought, you know, they do ship these things in trucks. And, and what would happen if one of them had a wreck? And, uh, you know, this could actually happen. And 20 years later, uh, just in the last few days, there's a tiger loose <laughs> right. in Knoxville, yeah. Tennessee, right on the edge of the Smoky Mountains National Park. And it's like, wow, look at this. I mean, some people said, Ron, you're responsible for this, man. You released that line, didn't you? This is just part of your promotion, man. You know, you kind of sell books. So, you know, Talk about promotion, man. Yeah, yeah. No, so it's the coincidence of it all is just amazing. But anyway, when this line gets loose in the Great Smoky Mountains, it's, uh, as you can imagine, Bobby bending up to that part of the country, it, it is the most remote and uh, they absolutely mountainous, covered with trees. Uh, you can't, how do you find a lion in the Smoky Mountains National Park? I mean, and then when you think it's a man eater, it doesn't go running from people. It goes looking for people. You know, he's he, he wants to eat. And yeah. uh, so it's a it's a it's a pretty <laughs> intense book. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's got it, some pretty good stuff in it and characters from three continents. So one of the main figures is from Australia, the policeman, yeah. the head yeah, policeman Larry. from Australia, uh, the, the uh, tracker from uh, Africa. Uh, Natu uh, is a tremendous character. So you've got people. It takes people from three continents to catch this line to finally get to this line, uh, and uh, and it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good journey during the during the during the search too. I mean, it's, it's it is man, it is. I enjoyed it. I had to finish it up last night as you know. I, Talking off air there before you got there, I told you I had a little bit of an eye problem. So I was about three-fourths of the way done and had to take about a week away from reading pretty much anything, even my computer notes or what have you. But um, I'm, I was so glad, and I'm, I'll tell you, 
I'm so honored because I have an autographed copy, people. And uh, when Ron sent this to me, man, I was I was honored. And I jumped right on reading it. I'm an avid reader. Uh, Ex-NATO last week or so, we'll say that. But, uh, man, it just made me feel so good. And you're a fine author, Ron. And I tell you, if you just go to um, – you want an autographed copy, uh, go to uh, uh, tnstud.com and get you an autographed copy. Of course, you can get it on Amazon. Um, it's available there. You can see the reviews there. I think – heck, there might be 13 or 14 five-star reviews. I don't know. But if I were you, wrestling fans, listen to Bobby Blaze. If you listen to nothing else today, I want you to go to – tnstud.com and get you a copy of Brutus and have Mr. Ron Fuller autograph that for you. So, what do you think, Ron? I appreciate it, Bobby. Uh, You know, I really thought of you because you're you're an author, man. And, you know, and uh, you've been so good, man. Uh, You and I have, uh, you've been uh, helping me uh, since I started my first studcast. And and you've been uh, retweeting and and just doing things to help me, and I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I have never laid eyes on you, but someday we will meet, my man. Yes, and, uh, sir, we will. Uh, I want you to know, you know, I really do appreciate uh, what you what you do for me. Uh, very, I appreciate very that too, Ron. First of all, I want to tell you, uh, tell tell Rob and uh, uh, Jimmy, I said, hey, I appreciate that very much, uh, and I look forward to meeting you. Uh, in person one day we've met on twitter and i know you're on twitter and on instagram at uh ron fuller welch and one thing about that ron the reason i wanted to help you is because i learned on there there's a lot of authors that help authors aha you know and i saw a fellow wrestler and i had a book out there i'm gonna retweet and also the stud cast you know that's something i really obviously you know like and enjoy so that's what uh Twitter is not the best way to communicate a long word like we've had here today with all the storytelling. But when you got a, you can link it to a podcast and tell those stories or to your novel or to your book or to your writings. You know, that's one of the things about it. So I had no problem saying, hey, man, I got to send out some retweets to, to get Ron's book out there or to get his stud cast out there, whatever. That's just the way it is. Plus, I try to keep my Twitter. Um, that's my only social media. I'm at Bobby Blaze 744. Jeremy's at the Geekish Cast. And like I said, at Ron is at Ron Fuller Welch all on Twitter. Um, I'll let you both give out your other addresses if you'd like, but I just I do that Ron because I love doing that, and that's my social media uh, that I like doing, and that's uh, trying to pay it forward, if you will. But I do look forward to meeting you one day in, a, in, a, in the near future when everything clears up. Maybe we'll do some traveling or or be on the same show or a card show or a, even at an author's booth together or something. Who knows? So, uh, but thank you so much for taking the time out. You're busy day to come on to the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast and uh, I'm just going to hush up and let you and Jeremy finish up but Ron just thank you from the bottom of my heart um, I wish you much much continued success and anything I can do to help you and get your book or podcast out there I'll be more than glad to do it so thank you my friend thank you Bobby I really appreciate it uh, Ron I gotta ask I'm not trying to pigeonhole your book or anything is it more leaning towards a, sus- a suspense story or a horror story it's a it's a it's a thriller. Okay, uh, that's the way I would put it. In fact, uh, several of the people that have reviewed it, they say it. They compare it to Jaws. Okay, it's a, it's a Jaws on land, basically. And, uh, <laughs> yes. And this set of Jaws is a just a it's not quite as big a mouth, but probably a more painful one. Way to die, you know, if this lion got a hold of you, than even uh, the shark getting you. So uh, it's a. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a, people will find it to be an, an extremely different story, unlike anything they've ever read before. Okay. Uh, um, and then I got to ask because I, over here where I'm at, we have mountain lions that even come into the cities now. Um, there's matter of fact, there's been one loose in my city and we don't even have like trees or anything to hide in. It still disappears. Are African lions, are they ambush uh, predators as well or do they hunt in a different way? Oh, they, they, yeah, this, this boy's an ambush predator. And, uh, this lion, because he's been, it took him two times to capture him. He got away the first time. They almost had him on Mount Kilimanjaro. He went 10,000 feet up the mountain to where lions don't go. And, uh, and he escaped from them. And, uh, the second time he gets trapped and then he gets sent to the zoo. Well, when he gets out into this park, He's a very, very smart animal, and he's 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 uncatchable. 
because they at this point he's not going to be caught again you know he's like the, he has an attitude almost like uh, i've seen this before it ain't going to happen and uh so it it uh you know they uh mountain i mean a lion uh a mat in the in this in the place like the smoky mountains which is so so tree so many trees and so many great hiding places it would be oh a horrible place to have a have a lion out there and how you'd ever catch him or how he would ever uh, fail to get uh, to get to make contacts with humans would just be it would happen consistently it'd be a horrible experience if it, if this were to really happen it would really be a horrible thing because it would be just darn near impossible you can't catch him with a helicopter you can't see him from a plane you can't catch him from above you can only catch him from below and on the ground yeah that's that's actually a terrifying thought because <clears throat> you know lions the african lion is so much bigger than the uh, mountain lion that we're used to here in the states uh, and you know mountain lions over here at least in california i used to live in an area where they kill a person every other year or so um ron as far as reading goes would you are you a big reader what's your what's your book consumption like I, I I'm not a big reader, I, and I hate to say that, but uh, I, I've never been a big reader. I, I've, I've run my own companies. Uh, I've been busy all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a whole lot of time to read. I wish I did have time to read more than what I do. Uh, and when I started writing the book, I thought it was kind of odd, you know, like here you are, man. You're going to write a book, and you never read a book, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, you know. Uh, I wish I did, but and now I seem more. I have less time than ever because I do the the two stud cast. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, I'm doing two stud cast every week, and it's a, uh, it's. I don't still have the time for it, but uh, I have read certain books, and and uh, now obviously uh, I read Jaws, one of the few books I've ever read, simply because I think I watched the movie first, uh, and uh, to be compared to that book or that movie. Is just to me unbelievable. I just uh, I freaked out when I saw that those reviews start coming in and uh, people just start a lot of the reviews I have say that hey they, it, it it is comparable to Jaws and uh, and that's a pretty darn good story right there. Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It really is. <clears throat> so as far as your podcast goes, what is the thing you enjoy most about doing the podcast? What's the what, what keeps you going on that? I, I like I like uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there there's so many wrestling fans that are old school, and uh, and uh, and the old school fans appreciate uh, how it was done. And and there's a lot more to wrestling than just the match and just the wrestlers in the ring. Uh, when you are in charge of, you're a booker or you're an owner of a company. The, it's a, it's a very involved and intricate business wrestling, uh, professional wrestling, and it, it is so creative. I mean, gosh, it gives you the opportunity to just go crazy with your creativity and, and, and who you put together and how you put them together and how you rematch them and, and then what kind of angles you're going to work and it is so I have the opportunity with my regular stud cast. I don't do this in the super stud cast much because I'm focused on a particular wrestler or a particular subject. But in my regular stud cast, I have the opportunity to teach. And I have a segment at the end called the learning tree. And I also have a segment on the top called today's training. And, uh, and I just like to speak to the fans out there to give them an inside look at what they always wondered about. How the heck does this guy come up with this? And why did they do that? And, and the hows and the whys I try to answer for fans. And, and I think they really love it. It's uh, it's, you don't get that in many podcasts. And uh, so that's probably what I really enjoy the most about it. I mean, I got my family's history, mm-hmm. which is thank goodness. It's awesome. It's a, it's storytelling wise. My grandfather trained the first wrestling bear. I mean, it's just everything in it. I mean, you know, we've we've done it all in wrestling, and uh, so I have that. But but I've really now got this uh, got this uh, training going on where I, I really get to talk to fans about all aspects of it. I enjoy the heck out of that. I feel like that I, my my fans that listen to my studcast are probably the most knowledgeable fans in wrestling. 
they're going to learn how to, how it was all done from the bottom to the top. Yeah, it's um. Your family has been in pro wrestling since before it was actually a worked uh, a worked system too. Because um, when Bobby and I would we come up with 1925 was the first championship match we can definitely say was worked. And yeah, yeah. So and your family has a, a history in the business that is five years older than that, which puts your family at a hundred years now. Hundred years, hundred yeah. years, hundred years. Wow. Nineteen twenty to twenty twenty. We're a hundred years this year in the ring in my family. That is incredible. Any any younger members of your family coming up? Uh, Jimmy Golden's got a son okay. named Bobby who wrestles. Okay. I have a son named Chad who had one match. You know, enough to say he had a pro career, (laughs) (laughs) but but he didn't have a long career. But uh, Jimmy Golden's son, Bobby, still wrestles. And uh, so, yeah, and Jimmy still wrestles sometimes. And, you know, kind of like Bob Armstrong that's been in the was wrestler for 60 years, almost six decades. Uh, Wrestlers, old time, old school wrestlers, some of them are still at it. And uh, and uh, hats off to them, man. I don't know how they, they do it, but. But uh, there, there's still some of them out there. Yeah, didn't you do a tag match in the last year or two? Yeah, I'm sure Bob's worked. I'm sure Bob did. And, uh, yes, Bobby worked in uh, Dalton, Alabama. Yeah. And, and I think he's worked some shows in the, in the state of Tennessee, somewhere around the Knoxville area. And he still, I think, works from time to time. So our family is still going 100 years later. That's incredible. Started with Roy, my grandfather, and 100 years later, we still got a family member in the ring. Anything you miss about actually wrestling itself? I miss it all, man. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. Uh, God, there's there was there's no better sport than professional wrestling, and it was a great, great way to make a living. Uh, then when I decided I wanted to take the next step and own my own company and and, and be my own booker and and run the whole show, it is just. Uh, uh, it, I miss it every day, uh, and then and, and I'm sure my grandfather and my father and those before me, when they had to retire, it was it was a sad experience. I was lucky; I got into another business entirely, another sport, and uh, had a tremendous time there, and then great success in in minor league hockey, fantastic success, and and uh, I've done some other things, but I'll never get. Get, uh, I'll never have anything I care for more than wrestling. Yeah, and that's awesome. That is. I got one last question. So, Bobby, after that, you can figure out if we want to wrap up or what. But, uh, Ron, I have often heard you referred to as the Johnny Cash of pro wrestling, which I believe it was Jim Cornette who coined that phrase. Um, you are known as a great storyteller. Do you feel like you were a good storyteller before wrestling? Did wrestling help you develop the storytelling? Do you have any thoughts on that at all? Well, I grew up in a wrestling family, and, uh, you know, wrestlers tell stories. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a matter of fact. Uh, you know, you, you, you were in these cars for hours and hours and hours, and, and guys uh, just would tell stories. I mean, you know, uh, and a lot of them were made up, no doubt. <laughs> Cause, cause, <laughs> Sometimes uh, I just miss those road trips, Ron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, yeah it, was, it was a great experience. You know, and, and some guys you would think, well, they, he's telling true one, and some guys you were going, oh, ain't no way that's a true one. But you still got these stories that were just uh, circulated around all the time, and it was a daily experience. And uh, so it was easy for me, you know, to 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 tell stories and 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 I like to tell the true stories because truth is is stranger than fiction. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, when I tell true stories, some of my true stories, people will go, that is definitely not true. And it is absolutely <laughs> true. You know, I mean, they just so uh, it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful ability to have to to remember and thank god i come from a family who was uh not your ordinary family any wrestling family that's <laughs> a hundred years in the sport they're not an ordinary family and they have there are such stories in my history and my family is amazing and uh stories by the thousands about uh, from everybody in it they're just crazy people to be a wrestler, you got to be a little bit nuts. You know? <laughs> That's what I would think. Yeah, you got to yeah. be a little off to want to do that, and uh, you know, and uh, 
and uh, off people are the ones that uh, they're fun. You know, they 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 don't do something that you can tell a story about. So you know, you got plenty of stories when you're around wrestling. That's outstanding. Absolutely. Ron, thanks again. Now, listen, folks out there, you can find Jeremy at thegeekiscash.com. There's a joint account on Twitter at Bell to Bell Blaze. You can follow me at BobbyBlaze744 on Twitter. If you'd like to follow Ron, listen to me. This will be a great follow for you. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Ron Fuller Welch. On Facebook, he's at Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud. Um, you can go to tnstud.com and get any of his book, his, his book or any other merchandise. Um, but also, this coming week on Tuesday, uh, by the time you hear as a matter of fact, if you go to patreon.com slash studcast for only $2.99, you're not just getting three hours. You're going to be getting five hours about uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong in a memorial show, if I'm not, uh, if I'm correct there, Ron. And That's tell right. the people anywhere else you can find you at. And once again, man, thank you so much. What a huge pleasure to have you on this podcast. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed it, guys. Uh, I'm at the, you know, podcast is at wherever you get your podcast. I'm, I'm all over. Uh, uh, Arcadian Vanguard uh, produces my program. Uh, they do Jim Cornette. Uh, they do other wrestlers, obviously. Uh, so, you know, Arcadian Vanguard, you could look there. Uh, and uh, as you've already covered really good, Bobby, and I appreciate it, uh, the Super Stud Cast is TennesseeStud.com on my website. Every stud cast ever done is there. Every Super Stud Cast ever done is there. And you can buy them right there from the Stud Cast, uh, right from that website. And uh, and then it's uh, on Patreon at, uh, at uh, Patreon slash Studcast. And, uh, you know, uh, I really appreciate it, guys. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, I like the fact that we talked about so many different things. I would have liked to have talked about that basketball a little further if we'd had more time, you know, and and, uh, hockey. Uh, Some days, if you ever want to talk about it, uh, I I have as many hockey stories as wrestling stories. Uh, We'd love to have you back, and I just want to tell you, I wish you much continued success as an author and any other adventures you get into, man, because you you are just, you're happening, Captain, I'll tell you. Uh, You motivate me, man. I I listen to those studcasts, and I've read this book. I'm just telling I just, I dig it, man, and I appreciate, and I appreciate all the love and positive feedback I get from you on Twitter, man, because it's nothing but respect, Ron. So please, just continue success to you, my friend. And Jeremy, thanks for putting this together today. Oh, absolutely. Sorry if I backed anybody into a corner with this one, because I responded to something from the wrong Twitter account one day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If it has anything to do with me, you certainly haven't offended me, Jerry. Fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. Well, everybody, thank you for listening this week. I don't have any clever clues about next week's episode, but I believe we will be talking about championship wrestling from Florida. Uh, For Bobby Blaze. Ron Fuller-Welch, Tex Johnson, and myself. Bye-bye, everybody.